Hello, Brad. What's happening? It's Backdoor Cover. I'm Micah. That's Brad. What's up, Micah? Yo. Hey, buddy. Just a step slow. What's, yeah, what's happening today? You know. Happy Tuesday to you. Yeah, did you know it's Tuesday? Talk- They're oh, all running together at this Tuesday. point. Yeah, it feels a lot like this is starting Taco to, Wednesday. To starting to wear me out. Yeah, it is Taco Tuesday. Welcome to Backdoor Cover. Uh... We apologize. Well, we don't apologize. We didn't get you an episode yesterday, but we do have an episode for you today. I've got a lot to talk about. We, nice. we got the NBA draft on Thursday. Uh, we've got some sports news. NFL. NFL draft, that's right. And most importantly, the biggest, most important thing in sports, the last dance going on on ESPN started Sunday. Brad and I are about to break that down. Episode one and two, uh, the things that we like, our big takeaways, everything about it. And uh, as well as some of the other sports news. So welcome in to Backdoor Cover. It should be a good episode. Uh, before we get started, Brad, can you hit the Mind of Micah sound, sound effect? Let me give it to you. This week on Mind of Micah. Yesterday I released an episode about, uh, about The Last Dance. It's actually about how the director had his first meeting with Michael and how he was prepared for it and then how that meeting went and how they finally made this project happen. Uh, it was something that had video that had been seen essentially in a vault for 18 years. Uh, really interesting stuff. So I would encourage you to check it out on Mind of Micah. And as promised on Mind of Micah, Brad and I are here to talk about The Last Dance. Do you want to start with The Last Dance? Do you want to talk about uh, some headlines first? How do you want to do this, Brad? Mm, let's run through the headlines and then finish with uh, The Last Dance and just close out the episode with it. I agree. I agree. Uh as we mentioned, the draft is Thursday. It's pretty, pretty exciting. I don't know. We don't really have time to really go through a full, uh, a full preview of this. That should be a separate episode. Yeah, I think Brad it. and I will have a chance to to run through this again later this week. If you're up for it, Brad. Absolutely. Either we'll need to do a recap, or we'll need to do a preview, well, or both. We'll definitely do a recap, but yeah, maybe we'll yeah. maybe we'll get a preview uh, Wednesday. Um, I like it. All right, good. Uh, so that's coming up. That's exciting. I, I can't believe it's really happening. Apparently there was a mock draft on Monday in which uh, things went instantly wrong. Did you hear about this? <laughs> no, tell me more. Like So they, they, they mocked the first round so each of the teams could test their equipment, and the first pick yeah, got delayed by two and a half minutes, which is just hilarious. Ooh. Um, we'll see. I mean, I just love the idea of just, you know, all of these white guys trying to use Zoom for the first time. And apparently, like, is there it, was... Is Cincinnati messed it up? I don't know if it was Cincinnati, but apparently there was, like, a conference call line. And yeah. no one muted themselves, so it was just the audio was terrible. <laughs> which is just so funny. If you're an, an average person uh, who's working either from home or if you've ever worked in an office and you're on a conference call and you're like, tell that moron to put himself on mute, and they never do. It's great. Well, it's particularly topical right now because everybody's doing these Zoom meetings and stuff, and there's always one bozo who doesn't know he's unmuted, and there's just dogs barking and washing machines and shit going on in the yeah, background. Yeah, and there's, feedback, like, Come there's on, a feedback dude. loop. It's like, dude, just, just and mute yourself. And it even happens in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it always goes to zero. It doesn't – somebody has a lot of money doesn't mean they're very smart necessarily. Uh, anyway, I thought that was funny. <laughs> Some other headlines. Uh Draymond Green is now feuding with Kevin Durant, sort of. He said uh, Warriors had, quote, 
an elephant in the room uh, with Kevin Durant because he sees... No shit. Yeah, Draymond sees uh, parallels between the end of the Bulls run with the Golden State Warriors run uh, last last run with Kevin Durant. He says, quote, it definitely hit close to home, uh, which is uh, he was on an after show. So what, show. is the parallel Scotty Pippen? Ironically, our season was the 20-something anniversary of that season. No, just the fact that it was all going to end after that year. Mm. Okay. Yeah, and whether it's all in questions coming from the media, so now once you get these questions from the media we've all addressed as a team, we really don't want to talk about that. And our season was a little different from the standpoint. It was contracts, but it was on players. It wasn't necessarily the organization. Whatever. I'm just really sick of this. Oh, here, here's the quote. What else are they going to talk about? So, for instance, Kevin took a one-year deal on his own, so that was kind of the elephant in the room. And although Steve's approach was like, hey, guys, let's approach this year because we don't know what next year brings, you've got Kevin's contract, uh, you've got Clay's contract, and I kind of got thrown in that contract thing, although I had another year after that year, which was this year, and so it was kind of this elephant in the room. And although Steve would kind of hit on, let's just enjoy this year, it didn't necessarily carry the same weight because of what would happen or should have happened when Kevin came out and said, hey, man, this is it, so let's do it. Anyway, I don't need any. I don't need to hear from Draymond or Kevin, or Kevin Durant. I just don't. I wonder if, if Steve took, like, if he took some of that language that he used when he was talking to them that Phil Jackson used. Like, they talked about it in the episodes where it's like, this is the last dance, everybody enjoy it. Like you were just saying, like, it's all very uh, on on point, like it's all on brand messaging that was used in both of them. I think that's what well, Draymond's talking about, and I wonder how closely Kerr kind of like followed that model. I think he said that Steve Kerr didn't do that; that it was just like oh, let's I go see. play. He didn't make a big deal about it, um, mm. but we'll see. I, I don't care. I don't. I don't care about the Warriors. The Warriors are and and Durant, Durant and Draymond are just truly unlikable. Both of them, their distrust for the media, they're, they're just trash. I'm sick of both of those guys. How's that? Is that is that controversial enough for you, Brad? I think that's fair. I mean, Draymond is certainly polarizing, and Kevin Durant is they're just whiny. Stop disliked complaining. by more than they are liked. Yeah. Anyway, let's. A lot of their stuff is not very enjoyable to listen to. Although Draymond can get pretty fun when he's going at Chuck and those kinds of things. Yeah, but, but Chuck always whatever. wins because Chuck's funnier. Chuck's more likable. Yes, he's more likable and he's funnier. Draymond's yeah. just kind of mean and bitchy. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, the we can't talk about the, a player on the worst <laughs> team in basketball right now. Uh, speaking of teleconferences, Raiders coach John Gruden made a virtual appearance at the University of Tennessee, showing up to a introductions to statistics class via Zoom. Why? I, Was he speaking? I have no idea. Apparently. Or is he attending? I guess he just like popped in to give a speech. Okay. I, I don't know. You think he dropped the motherfuckers on there? I, I he, hope he, so. He's a big cursor. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because Gruden, for like 10 years, the Tennessee fans were just obsessed with him when he was on Monday Night Football. Remember, they used to call these groomers all the time because... Uh, yeah. Where he... It was... Assist, I guess he was like a... He was an assistant at one point or a student assistant or a GA. Uh, there were supposedly sightings of Gruden all over the Knoxville area, or his wife is from Knoxville, I think, and some fans always okay. insisted that he was giving hints that he was taking the job. 
uh, if there was a splash in his orange in if orange in his tie during a Monday night football telecast. These people are basically <laughs> QAnon people. Uh, the University They're just of begging. They're just trash uh, conspiracy theorists. So it is funny that he actually shows up on campus basically via video. Uh, Gruden did serve as a graduate assistant in the mid-'80s there, and his wife Cindy was a cheerleader, and their middle son is a u- recent University of Tennessee graduate. Who knew? How interesting. Uh, he talked about—anyway, I just think it's funny. He said he was a little confused. Nobody can see me, huh? Thank God my wife helped me with the Zoom. Funny about Zoom <laughs> jokes. Let's see. Somebody said uh, the professor made sure to show Gruden her Spider 2Y banana T-shirt featuring a play call in formation. Gruden famously trumpeted on Monday Night Football. Gruden said, you are a crazy lady. I wish I had you as a professor. I would have gotten a lot better grades. Ha, 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 ha. Good one, huh? Oh, God, Gruden. Come on, dog. All right. Well, there's, uh, there's man, this, these headlines are, are weak. Uh, more NFL news. Uh, defensive end, Jaguars defensive end. I'm I'm gonna mess up this name. I'm sorry. Uh, Yannick. It's okay. Yannick Ngan. I'm gonna call him Nganu. Uh, Ngaku. That sounds pretty good. Uh, is a very good defensive lineman. He's a very good defensive end. He's had almost 30 sacks the last three years. He made only two mm-hmm. million dollars last year. He has 29.5 mm-hmm. sacks the last three seasons. Uh, he came out and uh, lashed out at. The Jaguars, he's in a contract dispute. He held out for 11, 11 days last season. He has been franchised this year. He wants out. He's demanded a trade. And then he had gotten a back and forth with the owner's son, Tony Khan, on Twitter yesterday. Would you like me to start reading this? Okay, go ahead. He tweeted, at Tony Khan, stop hiding me. Tony Khan tweeted, I'm not in hiding, sir. I'm in isolation getting ready for the draft. I've been pretty active on social media in isolation, but you wouldn't know that since you unfollowed me again. Which is very petty. I love that. Uh, okay. The player Yannick then said, "Since you're feeling might today, let's both let the world in on the truth. We had we been had a discussion that the Chargers game was my last game. Yet you try and backdoor the situation without answering any of my camp's calls. SMH, you spoil you spoiled bra. I think he was looking for spoiled brat. Holding up the season for no reason. Cloud emoji. Uh, I like spoiled bra. Yeah." Tony Khan then said, it's a new regime here, sir. I thank you from the bottom of my heart for all of your contributions you made here. That being said, tweeting insults at me won't get you traded any faster. Only good trade compensation will do that. Please redirect your efforts into a more productive outlet. And then uh, Yannick said, just trade me. I don't need the speech. And then Tony Khan (laughs) said, show me the compensation. I'm sure you're really driving up the price today, by the way. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, I don't know if uh, an owner's son has ever feuded with... uh, a star player before, but we have that going on. Uh, I think the player loses on that one. That's I score that one in favor of the Sun. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, his battle with the Jaguars began in July when then-executive VP of Football Operations Tom Coughlin, who has since left, abruptly broke off negotiations with him and his agent. The Jaguars reportedly offered him a deal that would pay him $19 million a year, but he open. turned it down. No, you're not talking. And he played last season after an 11-day training camp holdout for only $2.025 million. Quite a bargain for a player who's uh, got 25, 29.5 sacks the last three seasons. No kidding. Now has Sounds the, like Scotty Pippen's contract. He now has, yeah, he now has the non-exclusive franchise tag, so he'll be set to make $17.8 million in 2020, but he has not signed the tender 
He's trying to get traded. Tander. I mean, I wouldn't want to play in Jacksonville. That uh, seems like a shit show. Yeah. I don't know. One more headline. Tom Brady. You remember Tom Brady? Uh, you know, famous Tampa Who Bay. Who he played for. You know, fam- famous Tampa Bay <laughs> Buccaneer, Tom Brady. Uh, Brady Tell spotted working out at a closed Tampa park, the mayor says. Hmm. I bet the weather is nice in Tampa right now. Tampa Mayor Jane Castor said in a joint news br- uh, briefing with St. Petersburg Mayor on Monday that a city employee spotted a man working out in a park in downtown Tampa. Our parks are closed down, so a lot of our park staff, they just patrol around to make sure there aren't people in contact with these things. She went over to tell him that it was closed, and it was Tom Brady. <laughs> what was he doing? I guess he was just working out. One of those calisthenics workouts he does in the, the commercials. The city of, of Tampa Bay tweeted, Sorry, Tom Brady, at Tom Brady, exclamation. Our Parks and Rec team can't wait to welcome you and your entire community. You to our community back with even bigger smiles. Until then, stay safe and stay so home as much as you can to help flatten the curve. And get out of our parks. That's funny. funny yeah. This is not the first time There's Brady has received a shout-out during a coronavirus news conference. Florida Governor yeah. Ron DeSantos uh, mentioned Brady last week when talking about a possible return for professional sports. Quote, I mean, people are watching. We're watching, like, reruns of the early 2000s, watching Tom Brady in the Super Bowl then, which is neat because he's going to be in Tampa, and I think they have a chance to win the Super Bowl this year. But I think people, to be able to have some light in the tunnel, uh, blah, 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 blah. Apparently, there's like zero square feet of yard space in Jeter's mansion that Brady lives in, so it makes sense he'd yeah, have to right. go. DeSantos, because his house is built up to the property yeah, line. And DeSantos also mentioned Brady last month. When you think about how much the whole world has changed with all this, Tom Brady is coming to Tampa. That's like the biggest news. I'm really pleased. I've been a Bucks fan my whole life. I think they have a chance to compete for the Super Bowl. That seems like such a distant thing to grab on right now because we're in a day-to-day fight. President Trump mm. has also mentioned Brady in his coronavirus briefings. There, what a, what a strange, uh, what a world, what a fucking world. Yeah, uh, that's pretty much it. Do you have any other any other sports headlines before we get to the last dance? No, sir. Let's jump into it. All right. Uh, last dance aired Sunday, episodes one and two. If for some reason you haven't seen these, I I don't know what you're doing. I won't say these are uh, spoilers, but you know, watch the documentary. This is history. We know what happened, so uh, it's not. The only thing I'll say is two hours is a humongous commitment. If it starts at 8 o'clock on a Sunday, I can understand if you haven't quite had enough time to watch the entire thing. But, like Micah said. You've had time this now. Is, this is a doc. I will. It's a history deal. It, this is not like a movie. You know how this ends. Yeah, I mean, I hate to, to agree with you because I, I don't want to. Two hours doesn't, shouldn't seem like that much. I mean, people watch two hours of Bachelor every Monday. Uh but the fact that it starts at 8 o'clock Close Central those. Time, I fell asleep halfway through the second episode. Had to rewatch. Oh, you did? I did. It's pathetic. I, see, the problem for me is if, when it's that late in the evening and I've started having my wine at about, you know, 6 o'clock, by the time it's 9.30, things are pretty fuzzy. Yeah, it's a little hazy. But, uh, I understand. I, I scrubbed up. I had to rewatch a little. Yeah. It's worth it. It's worth it. Um, yeah, you, you have that little wind-down jumbo of... Of wine, and next thing you know, it's <laughs> it's all blur. You're three cups in, and who knows what's going on. I had a little uh, little cocktail Sunday night myself, and next mm-hmm. thing you know, it's 9.30, and I'm snoring on the couch. I did get the wife to watch this with me. 
Have you been watching? Did she enjoy it? Uh, no, she didn't. I can't tell if she is or not, but everyone's watching. This ha- this got more than six million viewers on average. Uh, the highest stock. I was going to ask. Highest rated documentary in ESPN history. Perhaps the highest rated like pure documentary in history. Uh, Does it say what the second place viewership is? It didn't. But uh, I'm curious. I'll have to look that up. It did up. a huge number. At one point during the show, 25 of the 30 highest trending topics on Twitter were all related to The Last Dance. Uh, this thing is the only thing people are talking about, with good reason. And it's going to get really good on Sunday. Really good. Because we get uh, the bad boy Pistons and, and uh, Jordan going in on on, uh, on Rodman, which can be even better. Are you excited about this? I'm look. Yes, I'm extremely excited about. It. I was doing just a little bit of of numbers looking up over here. I can't find any anything that says what the second place documentary was, but six million sounds like quite a few, and that's live people watching. Yeah, they said on average. <clears throat> so it was weird because it's also presented by Netflix, and I suppose the way that this is working is ESPN has the rights, the live rights to Correct. it, and then has rights to it for three months, maybe. And then after I, that, it transitions to... I think it's to, less than that. Because um, I, I saw something... Yeah, hang on. I think I've got this. And then Netflix also has... <coughs> excuse me. Netflix also has the international rights to it as Correct. well. So it makes sense kind of how, how that's being pushed as a um, collaborative distribution effort. Netflix... Oh, outside of the U.S. Yeah, April 20th. So, it, um, yeah, I think Netflix probably paid for half of this thing. This was an expensive deal. Uh, to make happen. Um, if you want to hear more about how it got made, go check out Mind of Mike. I'm going to check that out for sure. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, if you listen to the Bill Simmons podcast this week, which I assume that you did, Brad. Um, I'm a quarter of the way through. It's so long. Yeah, he spent a lot of time. You know, he, of course, started the 30 for 30s at ESPN, so he had some pretty interesting insight. And uh, Yeah, I heard the part where he's talking about when the documentary was sent to him, like as a tape, and they were considering it, and like what they were going to have to do to be able to get converted into a contemporary docu- like documentary. Yeah, it's, pre- it's a pretty product. interesting listen. Um, Definitely. And he claims that he... That's the one with Rosilla, right? Yeah, he claims that he got a DVD of this, this old video uh, sent to his house, which... He says he still has it. Yeah, which is interesting, because I... Some of the other stuff I've read said that this film has just been locked in a vault, which obviously isn't true. But anyway, that was how it started too. He said it was locked in a vault, and then at some point they finally sent it to him. And from there, they were kind of like shopping it around and looking for possible directors and kind of talking through how it was going to be work or uh, turned into an actual product. So yeah, it was a really good lesson, though. Indeed. So uh, episode one basically goes through Michael's history. Episode two is sort of a little bit about Scotty's history. We're really setting the table in these first two episodes. Um, yeah. What were some of the things that jumped out at you? What I, Before we start, I mean, I think yeah. it's clear. The, the overarching, the biggest question here is how in the fuck does any <laughs> one person decide, no, nah, we're not going to run this back next year? Because the the narrative seems to be that, that Jerry Krause, the general manager, right, uh, who the players used to call crumbs because he would spill crumbs on his shirt every day eating a muffin. He's a fat little yeah, dude, Yeah, he's too. just a, a fat little nasty dude. Uh, he, he looks like Humpty He's Dumpty. also the the one person, basically, in this entire film that that's dead and can't actually speak for himself. So 
for whatever that's worth, you know, people probably will cut him some slack or he'll probably get some sympathy. But from almost well, going into the document, everybody was talking about how he was going to get slaughtered, like he was going to be the one who gets murdered in this this film. And so far, he has gotten pretty. Well, uh, you know, every story needs a villain, and and this guy is yeah. clearly a villain. Uh, and and from everything I've read, like it's deserved. The guy's just kind of he. Stinks. He seems like petty, very petty, and very sensitive yeah. ego. You know, it, like you watch it, and it's pretty simple. Like the guy's got a Napoleon complex. He's a short, fat man yeah. who's bitter and does wants more credit for whatever's happening. And because of that, because he can't get along with Phil, the man that he hired, uh, he's decided that, you know, it, apparently, like, Phil wasn't even going to come back for the sixth run until the owner right. sat down with Phil, flew out to Phil and, and ne- negotiated a deal. And then... Was Phil in, like, Wyoming or somewhere, too? Yeah, Phil's out in... fly to some weird place? Yeah, Phil used to have a place. I think it's Wyoming or Montana or one anyway. of those two. But that was the real friction point, though, between the two parties. It was Phil and Kraus. Yeah. So then and, Phil uh, signs a contract with with Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner, to come back for the sixth, the, you know, the the sixth championship run, what it turns into. And Kraus, the general manager, comes out and says, "It doesn't matter if they win eighty two games. He will not be the coach here next year." He says that basically. How does it make any? He sense? says that it publicly. Doesn't make sense. And that I know. And and at that point, if you look at Jordan said, "I'm not going to play for anyone except for Phil." Jordan also said after the fifth championship, like we deserve the right to keep running this back until we lose the title. So as soon as you say Phil will not be back, even if they go eighty two and zero. You're basically saying Michael's not coming back either. And we know that Scotty's not coming back considering the, the contractual situation that he was in. Um, so it's really, a, a, that is to me the, the overarching thing. Like how could somebody be so egotistical and make such a bad, irrational decision? And and for me, like I know a lot of people are going to blame Krause and he d- deserves a lot of the blame. Yeah. I blame Reinsdorf. Me too. You're the owner I mean, of the he had team. The, he could have calmed this down. All he had to do was get rid of Kraus, and he'd been just, fine. Or just talk or to just him. Talk, like, I just don't understand how you could make such a terrible business decision. The the Michael Jordan I don't, Jordan it, was making $34 million or something that last year when the entire salary cap was like 26 by the way. But there was some This loophole. is like having, like, okay, so Jordan is the best player in the history of the league, and he's Essentially, in his prime, maybe he's a few steps. He's off still at, at the very end of all this, right? He's still absolutely the best player in the league by a wide margin. It's like having a free money machine, and you make a million bazillion dollars, and then you're like, "Well, I'm responsible for making that money. I'm just going to get rid of this free money machine and do it myself." Well, and as you and see like, in the documentary, I don't know. What, it, it's so weird because right? as you see in the documentary, which you you know you don't if you just sort of hear the facts, but you don't see it in the documentary, you see what a huge star this guy was like the, the this team and michael specifically were the fucking Jordan. beatles like this is yeah and everywhere in the world and to think like in france yeah in france everywhere. they're selling out every building everywhere in the world and to think that you're not going to make and this enough before revenue. the nba was really that international like it w- didn't have that international claim that it does now yeah and michael is just the guy and to think like he's the one who opened would, up the bridge. You would I do think, yeah. everything you possibly could to get Michael back for another year, even if it meant you blew up Scotty or you got rid of everybody else. Like you. Well, this is also this is clear how it would be now. Like everybody is in the same boat. Like we aren't breaking any news here, but the the looking back at it is just so bizarre. Like because that 
it it must have been accepted widely enough that like while it was very strange and it was odd it, people accepted it and it, like it it wasn't like so widely criticized although i'm sure it was very it's criticized just, it's so weird that it happened it's just a different time it was a different era it, it happened and it, like that's a la- that was okay so you're not going to be the coach this is your last year and they just went okay this is it we're we're going to write back one more time that's it and it wasn't like questioned. There was no negotiation. Like, hey, can we bring you back for one more? Can we do this again? Like, it's just so weird that it was just agreed on. Like, okay, that's it. This is the last one. I'm it's running from the a greatest day player when off. The players, it's so strange. Yeah, the players didn't have the power that they do just that they do in in modern NBA. Like, it was still. I, I don't know if I buy that argument. Possessed by ownership and and you know whatever leadership. I don't think I, I don't I, think, that's what I, I think. don't think I buy that argument I mean Michael Jordan had more you know? power than any player in the history of basketball and hell he owns a yet team they now. still blew it up yeah but I I just think that he I, I don't know if he didn't use that influence but I huh. I'm pretty sure that you know I mean just think about how much value he was generating for the Bulls and how much value he's generated yeah. for that Bulls franchise even if even if you're operating it at a net loss for those seasons with Jordan, your your franchise value is double, triple, quite. I mean, way more than that. They were yeah, like the last stock time. of the league, exactly. and now all of a sudden they're the Yankees. So if you're the owner of the team, you have to go to Michael and say, "Do you want to come back?" And if you're only going to come back for Phil, then we got to find a way to get Phil back. It's it's well, so weird. everybody agrees with you. You're not making a a hard to argue with. Uh, you are making a hard to argue with. Right. Comment. No, no, no. Like, it's true. Nobody disagrees. But with so that. that that is sort of the overarching, but, especially <laughs> I'm sure the first couple episodes is like, why is this happening again? I still, it just it's inconceivable, and it was inconceivable at the time. I'm not, you know, it's not the if you go back I, and see, read I'm sports writers. I'm not so writers, sure it was. I'm sure it was somewhat inconceivable, but I think it was different. Oh no, I think if you go back and look at at the Sports Illustrated vault or you go read sports writers, they're just like, this mm-hmm. is totally People unnecessary. Just flabbergasted. Why is this happening? Yeah. And uh, why would you do this? And it's true. So anyway, so that's sort of the, the big question. And then you can sort of blame whoever you want to blame, I guess. And maybe blame a little bit of Michael for not exerting, standing up and saying, we're doing this again. And Phil's coming back and it's either me or Krause. Like he obviously could have. So done that. episode two. Yeah. Episode two ends before they get through the season. Like Pippen is still injured. Right. And like they're they're kind of like going through that season of it's like a tumultuous season where they've come in and they had a championship and they're losing a lot of games to open the season. Pippen's out with an injury that he purposefully neglected. And this, the episode ends prior to the, that season ending, which is when Jordan left and the whole team kind of collapsed. Well, the whole documentary, the rest of the, the documentary is about that season. So basically, uh, yes, you're exactly right. Uh, so we've in, just in episode into one the very early phases of that. Season. Yeah, in episode one we get a lot of Jordan backstory. We we see his family, uh, we hear from his parents, we see his high school coach or high school teammates, mm-hmm. whatever it is. That was one of the coolest things for me. Is like we don't have high school highlights of of Michael. And I don't know if you right. remember a couple of years ago there was like a video, like a grainy video of Michael, like in a Team USA team game where he like broke a, a backboard on a dunk and yeah. people just like freaked out about it. it went crazy on Twitter for a couple of days. Cause it was like this like unearthed footage that no one had ever seen. Like Michael is old enough. Granted he played it with the wizards in HD or whatever by the end of his career. But <laughs> most of his career, like this isn't a guy, there are no high school mixtapes. There was no, you know, 
Yeah, no YouTube. There was certainly no YouTube, and there certainly wasn't like House of Highlights. Like every every game that Zion Williamson has ever played in since he was like fourteen, there's probably is documented. Yeah, there's probably full documentation of that, and you'll be able to see those highlights from now till whenever. Uh, Jordan, we didn't have that stuff. I'd never really seen the high. I I don't think I'd ever seen high school highlights of him. And most of I've his college seen games, very few of his college stuff. And yeah, yeah. It, so there, a couple of things stood out to me. You asked me kind of what my big takeaways were. I really liked how they took the timeline and how they immersed the very early stages of of Jordan's life with kind of like more contemporary things that are going on in that season leading up to that season. I like how they skip back and forth between like uh, whatever years it was of of Jordan's childhood and then into like the preseason leading up to the last dance season. I like. I thought that was yeah. I, I thought it well was very done. well done. I agree. Yeah. And so we we get Jordan kind of growing up. We get to see his college stuff, which we'd never really seen. I mean, I'd never really seen. You'd seen the shot that he hit to win the championship as a freshman, but you haven't seen. I hadn't seen that much North Carolina video, uh, which was pretty amazing. Did you hear him say that they had the they had sold out the uh, Superdome in uh, New Orleans? It was like sixty thousand people were at that basketball game that he hit that game winner on. Yes. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize how many people there were. That's like a fully stocked, stacked up football stadium. I think that was. Don't they cut like the stadiums in half these days? No. Now they're bigger. They still do the full. Yeah. Well, oh, for a really? long time, I, see, I for thought, a long time they did cut them the, in half. Um, yeah, because I've been to a couple of them where they're cutting like the whatever the Minute Maid Park in half in Houston and doing like a basketball arena that style. Interesting. Yeah, this was yeah, like, and I think this was like the first one they had done in in a big football stadium, basically, because before that. Uh, I was it eighty three the North North Carolina State one with Velvano. That sounds. I think it was right, and that was in eighty four actually. Yeah, oh, that was eighty four. Well, Jordan yeah. hit his then in the in the eighty five March Madness. Um, so the next year, but but that the Velvano season was in a basketball arena. I think it was in uh, Albuquerque, but like in a small huh. arena, and then they went to the bigger football stadium. So, yeah, it was a big deal to have that many people there. Anyway, to get to see all that stuff was pretty awesome to hear from Roy Williams, who I I notoriously hate. That was really cool. But I thought it was yeah. It was but great. he had a good little part. Like he had oh, he yeah, had, he had good, good little lines. nuggets and insights, isn't it? Because he was the assistant coach. Yeah, he said uh, something like Jordan. Michael Jordan's the only player I've ever seen who could turn it on and turn it on and off, and he never freaking turned it off or something like that. <laughs> yeah, he had the uh, he had the ability to turn it off, but he ne- chose to never turn yeah. it off. And uh. James Worthy had a great quote. He was like, yeah, I was a senior when Mike was a freshman, and uh, I was better than him for about two weeks. <laughs> That's right, and Jordan kept on pulling him aside and being like, let's play one-on-one. And Worthy was like, yeah, I was much better than him for about ten days. And James Worthy was either the number one or number two pick in the draft, uh, by the way. This is yeah. And a, and a Hall of Famer. So it's not like this guy was some sort of scrub for the younger scrub. listeners who may not yeah. know. Um Anyway, so yeah, I I love that. I I will say the Jordan story is mm-hmm. not like his sort of growing up. You know, we heard about him getting high, cut from the high school varsity team as a sophomore again, which we've all heard like five million fucking times. Do they mean that he got cut as in he made the junior varsity, or yes. do they just not have a junior? Well, varsity? I, I that I don't even know. Because that, that doesn't sound like I think they're using the wrong word here. I think that he didn't make the varsity which means he's probably playing on a junior varsity team or, like, he still was playing basketball, right? I'd, I'd be curious to know. Anyway. He did play on the JV 
So yeah, there was. So that's not getting cut, but okay. They do call it cut though. That's the word they. Yeah, that's what they. All, he like always MJ talks about getting cut, cut uh, his sophomore year. But anyway, so Jordan comes, and uh, but then by the by his, the end of his senior year, everybody knew he was like the best mm-hmm. high school player in America. So yeah, did, he won player of the year award, right? I don't know if there was an award, but they said that Roy Williams said that they sh- he showed up to a camp and they knew he was the best player in America right then, and he was highly recruited. Right. It's not like this guy came out of nowhere uh, by the end by the end of his high school run. Uh, his story was fine, but episode two was sort of centered around the Scottie Pippen story, which was about a million right. times more interesting to me. I thought it was really fascinating. You want to talk about video you've never seen before? Scotty Pippen in college yeah. at Central Arkansas is something I've never seen. No, never. Definitely not. And they're playing that little high school gym. Did they say he grew like six or eight inches? Or yeah, something that's always he that's always the story on Scotty is that he is that the isn't that what happened with Rodman too? Like half of this team hit their growth spurt in their twenties. Maybe I mean I don't teens, I don't know teens. exactly the circumstances, but that's the story I've always heard on Scotty that he showed yeah. up one summer and he was six, eight, nine inches taller than he was the previous summer. Now, but he retained his guard skills. Yes. Now I always take this stuff with a grain of salt because I think administrators sure take people's height the first day of school and then when they come back the next year the first day of school they've grown it's not like he everyone always says i grew nine inches over the summer you didn't you grew nine inches over the course of the year scotty but whatever yeah and they do they do yeah yeah they exacerbate the way it sounds like they make it sound but scotty comes in he's i was listed as like six four two twenty in high school and i was never that well, that's true. Anyway, Scotty, anyway. Scotty, we get to see Scotty how incredibly poor he was, how he had a thousand brothers and sisters, how his father and his brother, I think, both grew up in wheelchairs. Uh, right. Like, this was an interesting story. I think it's polio that got his brother. Yeah, a story I'd never heard before. And so, Me either. Uh, very compelling. And to see him, and it explains how he got locked into this early contract where he obviously took uh, a long-term contract to pay for stuff. Figuring it would be seven security. years, and uh, you know that contract quickly uh, was, you know, well well below market. Uh, well, the thing that's interesting about that is be- it's because of him and Jordan that it would be low market because of how the the worldwide popularity that the NBA picked exactly. up as their team ascended, right? And so, like when he signed that contract, it was a beautiful contract, and then viewership and numbers and stuff had grown so much throughout those five years of the the peak bulls that he was his contract was like insulting at the, that point but one thing i yeah, will he signed say for seven years. and maybe we'll get to it at the end of this thing the bulls really did help scotty out at the end uh after the last year he was free agent but they did a sign and trade deal to help him maximize as much money as he could uh but that was mm. that's uh, you know the the guy played that was after he they played had on cra- six championship teams in his and made eighteen like, million dollars. Like, I mean, get the fuck out of here. He was the number two player in the world. Yeah. Well, that's somebody, arguably. Well, if you're Phil Jackson, I don't know. He was yeah, a that, very that important piece. Right. Don't get Phil me wrong. Said. But yeah, his origin story was really great. Uh, somebody told me that Jimmy Sexton, who's the 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 uh, agent for basically every college football coach in America. Was mm-hmm. Scotty's agent and made him sign that bad contract, which is kind of funny too. <laughs> I don't, I can't confirm that. That's something Pierce texted me, and I assume it's true because he is from Arkansas. I'll have to look it up. That's uh, interesting. Or Alabama, or whatever, somewhere near there. Uh, anyway, I, I thought that was all uh, 
the, the Scotty stuff was great, and we're leading into, and so you, you see the dynamic. You also see Scotty and Mike just being outrageously fucking rude and hilarious towards Jerry Krause and making fun of him I for loved being it. fat and short and just, they just trolled like straight him. to his face. Uh, just it, in no, front of no the entire shit. They just in front of the entire team. Like, can you imagine being that disrespectful to your boss uh, in front of coworkers? Like, it's if you just think about it like that, it's such an outrageous fucking deal. (laughs) And it's like personal attacks. Like, it's not like, oh, you're, you know, whatever. This decision was bad. It's like you're fat. (laughs) You're stupid. You suck. It's like just straight up unprovoked personal attacks on him. And it's it's and in front of the entire team. yeah, it's amazing, and apparently it gets worse. And so, we did we get to the part in the documentary where Scotty demands a trade in the middle of the '97 season? I think we did, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's that's like about where it was ending. So the narrative arc on Scotty's deal, which I've read a bu- bunch about, we get to the '97 '98 season during the summer. Now Scotty had something where like he had a quote where he's like, "I'm not going to let this fuck up my summer, so I'm not going to get surgery," which was funny. But if you give a that's if insane. you give a little more context, Scotty was about to play in a charity basketball game, his own the Scotty Pippen charity game, and the Bulls called and said you cannot play because you have an injured foot, and uh, we'll fine you. And that pissed him off so much that he delayed surgery. These like that's another thing from this this era. Like Jordan was playing while he was hurt at North Carolina. Pippen's trying to play in these charity oh, tournaments yeah. while he's busted. Yeah, we up. have the Jordan thing. It's it's funny how they how different medical. I mean, it's not that it's pretty. It's not that surprising, but it's just kind of funny to be reminded of how how far medicine has come since between now. and Well, then, right? I mean, also just like how far decision making has gone. Uh, like, there's no <laughs> way Jordan is letting his best player play if there's a ten percent chance he gets hurt and never can play again. Like, that's just it's insane. You mean Jordan now? Yeah, if he now is the owner of the, the of the Bobcats or the, the Whatever Hornets. they are now. The Hornets. All right, we got five more minutes to get out of here. But yeah, that was one of the greatest lines that he had in the movie, where, or, or that Jordan had, where they're like, "If if there's if I can give you this ibuprofen, there's a ninety percent chance it cures your headache, but a ten percent chance you die. You're not going to take it." And he goes, "Well, it depends <laughs> on how fucking bad the headache is," which is that uh, was a, a fantastic. Which line. doesn't make a whole lot of sense the more you think about it. Because it's not a big headache. the The only thing that's going to win, the only thing that's going to happen, is you're going to play the '86 fucking Celtics and get stomped. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. Um, I liked also how they interviewed like Bird, Magic, all those guys towards the end of that, and they're all like, "That guy's a freak. That guy's the best. If he ever gets anybody yeah, to help coming. him, he's going to murder well, everybody." They were right. It is like there is this their second season, right? Yeah, so year two season, was Jordan's the second the, season. That was yeah. we kind of skipped over that, but that was part of episode one, I think. Uh, this goes back to the transition between eras and like how they're showing kind of Jordan's come up and then they're also showing it like they're kind of like flashing forward to the inter- in the early parts of the last season that they play together. It's really good. man. Yeah. So we, we see Jordan and his, his big coming out party to the nation beyond the, the national championship game is uh, the 1986 playoffs where he's hurt from he gets hurt in the third game of the year, misses most of the season, comes back. The Bulls somehow make the playoffs with a 30-win season, 30-52. and 52. Uh, and then Jordan's on a minutes restriction. Yeah, they put the him on a 14-minute like restriction. And, and then he plays against the Celtics in that 86. Uh, this That Celtics 86 team is, is considered the greatest of all time by a lot of people. Uh, right. 
Bird yeah. at his absolute peak. You heard Simmons. Yeah, say well, it. Simmons always says it. I mean, he said it five million uh, fucking obviously. times. But to see, and then you know, he goes for forty nine in game one, then sixty three in game two. Uh, it it was clear they were he they were tanking. That's why they put Jordan on the minutes restriction and it drove Jordan nuts. And they finally get to, they make the playoffs, which to the frustration of the front office, they make the the playoffs despite sitting Jordan out all that time. And then they're like, "Ah, hey, fuck it. You, you go do whatever you want to do. Go, go as go as hard as you want." And Jordan goes out there and just unleashes on these dudes. It's amazing. It was great to see that early stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then you know the Scotty stuff was good. We get to, uh, and and we're basically setting up episodes three and four are going to be amazing when we get to the Pistons, when these teams are fully formed. Basically, uh, you know the Pistons were kind of the final boss before uh, the Bulls. I think the Pistons knock them out of the playoffs twice before the Bulls could get past them and then go on their run. So before they matured enough to be, a yeah, those bad boy teams are going to be fun to watch. So plus, we'll I I think we're going to get the the uh, Rodman story a little bit more, which is going to be amazing because he's going to be on both sides of that thing, which is going to be fun. That's going to be a long story. Rodman's got a he's lot. He's got a lot to tell. to tell. We might get a little Carmen Electra. I don't know. All right, Brad. I saw her. She got one little quick cameo in there sitting at the dinner table, but yeah. Pretty exciting. I know she sat down for a full interview. So, uh, All right. Good episode, man. Good stuff. We'll be back later uh, this week. We'll, Brad and I will do a little preview for the draft, hopefully. Uh, and we'll definitely do a wrap-up. Absolutely. Uh, if, we, if we don't I'm get in. something done tomorrow. Uh, until next time, check out mine and Micah. And call our hotline, 800-392-6344. 800-392-6344. We did have a hotline call, but we'll play it next time. Brad? Mm, bye-bye. Thanks for listening.